says, get that India, big boy. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a live edition of the Tip Sheet right here from Jack's Bar and Grill, celebrating a massive win over the Sydney Roosters for the Parramatta Eels. How's everyone doing? What about a win? Isn't it good to get back onto the winner's <laughs> list after last week? And what about as well, finally hearing the Sevo chant and it meant something tonight, eh? <laughs> so, a, a big win, a, a win that was much needed, I think a win that... Maybe you and I, John, I'm sure we weren't the only ones that had our hearts in our mouths throughout that second half, wondering just how it was going to unfold. The good guys won. Those evil latte sippers from the eastern suburbs couldn't get past us. So it's, uh, we've got plenty to talk about tonight, plenty to dissect. Uh, John, over to you. Well, it goes without saying that after the loss last week, there was a lot to prove for the team. They uh, had a a lack of effort, a lack of attention to detail against the Canterbury Bulldogs and that bit them on the backside painfully. It was the complete opposite this game, at least for the first 40 minutes. It was focused, it was driven, attention to detail. They committed their attack spectacularly and defensively they were resolute. Yeah, I, I wrote on the website today about the fact that Parramatta has gone away from the simple processes that work well for them. And when they go away from those processes, processes, you see results like we saw last week against the Bulldogs. You see results like we saw against the Tigers. Matches where we should be in the driver's seat and we hand over that driver's seat to the opposition because we don't follow the processes to Parramatta football. And what we saw tonight in the first half was Parramatta football. The forwards hitting that ball up strong bending the defence line, and then the offloads come and create space. It's something that's easy for them to follow, should be easy for them to follow. It doesn't happen all the time, but we see tonight... I mean, you, there is no way you can compare what we saw in the first half tonight to what we saw last week. Was there anyone out there at, at, uh, out at the Olympic Stadium last week? I was out there... I did the walk of shame after the match was over. I mean, the Bulldogs supporters got to enjoy it. Good luck to them. They're not going to have too many times this year where they'll get to enjoy that. So I can't take it away from them, but it was awful. And, I, and I'm sure whether you're watching at home or at the ground, it was an awful feeling. Tonight we saw how they should be playing every week. And we see it when they're coming up against genuine challenges in this competition, or even the favourites. And... They've just got to get back to that simple formula every single week. Oh, I was saying to you during the game, it's the most first world rugby league problem you could possibly have, being able to beat the best teams in the competition, but stumbling against the teams outside the eight. And it's a complete 180 where the Eels have been across the last few years, where we'd belt the Tigers and the Bulldogs, but then struggle against the, Tig uh, the Panthers, the Storm, and obviously the Roosters here. But, but the, the good news, <laughs> as was just said to us just a few moments ago, that when you make the final series, you're not playing against cellar dwellers. So we make the finals, we've got a decent chance. But you, talk, you talked about the blueprint for success there, mate. Hang on, hang on, we got the shoey. I oh, know we don't want to see that now. That's it. We haven't got the shoey man in here, have we? No. He was passing on the good vibes to Mitchell Moses throughout <laughs> that game. It wasn't just the shoey, I think. He threw some uh, waves and whatnot at him too. 
You talked about the blueprint for success, 54% possession, plus three minutes in time possession, 85% completion rate, foundations, cornerstones, how you beat any team, let alone the Sydney Roosters, mate. Yeah, absolutely. And, and now let's just talk about what we saw in the first half. Both halves hitting both sides of the ruck. So we saw Dylan Brown, Mitchell Moses linking, sweeping around each side of the ruck, putting, defensive, putting questions on the defence on each side of the ruck so that we were getting different shapes, in the, especially in the 20 metre zone. Something that we don't always produce, but we certainly saw plenty of it tonight. And we absolutely challenged the Roosters with that inside ball to a back rower or centre. We saw Sean Lane be devastating with that. Got a couple of try assists by way of that inside ball. Isaiah Papali'i too crossed off the Mitchell Moses inside pass. And just showing those different shapes to the Roosters clearly put them half a second off the pace. A absolutely. Um, so we... We won the middle tonight. What were some of the key stats that stand out from the performance of our, our forwards tonight, John? Well, overall as a team, we were plus 500 metres when it came to the ruck. 1,907 metres for the Eels, the Roosters 1,402. But when you look at those core players in the middle, and we speak about Junior Barlow and Reagan Campbell-Gillard, Ryan Madison, both Junes and Reg went over 200 metres. Uh, 20 carries, 215 metres for big RCG. 24 runs, 219 metres for Junior. And can you just clarify how many minutes they played? So both, both the starting props went over 200 metres. Yeah, so both over 200 metres, comfortably over 200 metres. And obviously Junior going on to earn the best on field uh, in terms of the official match or player of the match. Uh, in terms of minutes, I think they're both well over. We've got uh, Junior down for 61 and Reg for 55. So There's, that's some pretty decent minutes for... Yeah. For, uh, would have sucked up, would have sucked up the petrol out of the tank, but uh, they both had a, a cause to win for today, given how um, not just state of origin been on the line, but just trying to back up from that Canterbury game. I think. I feel like I have to go out of order a little bit here because we normally talk about our three-two-ones as we get to the end of our podcast, but you just mentioned then that Junior got the official man of the match. Mm -hmm. Have you got any disagreement with that? I think there's a thread between Junior, Reg and Sean Lane, honestly. Ryan Madison also very good. Um, I think we saw a great game from Mike Acevo out in that left wing. He really kick-started proceedings with that big kick return. But this was a game that was won and lost in the middle. And I think that between Junior, Reg and, and Sean Lane contributing from that left edge, uh, yeah, I, I can't tell you right now who's the best on field. Who have you got? Well, I, I've got the same three. And I spoke to you over in, at the match, and my first instinct was Sean Lane. Now, there's something about saying that I think Sean Lane was the man of the match, and, and I don't mean to cast aspersions in any way, but I'm not used to saying that. But I think he was in genuine contention for man of the match. I'd probably go with Reg as my three, Laney as my two, and Junior as my one. All right, well, if June's got the official man of the match and you gave Reg your free, I'll go with Sean Lane because 150-odd metres, I think it was three line break assists, two try assists and some crucial touches throughout that game in terms of the carries. Uh, that was a fantastic game for the big man. And it, like the Penrith game, it shows you what a point of difference he can be out on that left edge where he was critical in getting the win against another top team. I'm interested in a show of hands if anyone wants to vote. Who would have agreed with the official man of the match with Junior as, as uh, the best on field? 
Okay. No, 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 junior, no junior fans in the audience today. Okay. Um, Sean Lane. Anyone see Sean as the as uh, best on field? A couple, okay. Okay. Yeah, we've got a few there. What about Reg? Anyone see Reg as the best on field? Have we got any other nominations? Maddo? Yeah. Anyone for Maddo on that uh, man of the match? A lot of quality offloads, plenty of good metres. Typical Ryan Madison performance from 2022. Anyone think someone in the spine was best on field, be it Gutho, Moses, Dill Brown, Reed Marnie? Dylan Brown? Brown? Okay. So we've got a bit of a spread of... Um, of what people thought was, were the best players on field. And that's probably a good sign. Yeah, I think when you've got a good team performance, when it gets harder to select who you think was best on the field, that, that, that is indicative of the team performing well. I think that's exactly it, mate. And I, I suppose the other thing that comes with it is that we lit it up in the first half and that was where there was a lot of the flashy plays, but in the second half it became a lot more of a grind as the uh, ruck slowed down a lot for the Parramatta Eels, and we weren't able to put the Roosters away on the scoreboard with tries, but defensively they rolled up their sleeves and showed a bit of grit. I don't think that was by design that things uh, got a little bit slower, a bit tighter in the second half. I think the Roosters were probably given a lot of latitude to lay all over the, the, in the ruck, really slowed the ruck up, because in, the, in that first half... The Eels were really rolling through the Roosters' middle. They were getting, a, a, getting across the advantage line quite easily. And you could just see towards the end of the first half that they were, the Roosters were looking to start to slow the play up as, as we were getting towards that crucial time, be, just before half-time, because the Eels threatened to really blow it out even, even bigger than what it was. We talk about whistle fatigue with the referees all the time. The good teams always will lean on a referee making Bowie's whistle early then put it away later in the game. And we've seen it employed against the Parramatta Eels as a means to disrupt their game plans. And sometimes it's been successful. But thankfully the Eels showed the resolve needed to roll up the sleeves, dig the heels in and just stick to the game plan. They didn't get too flashy. They got to their kicks, uh, which included a charge down by the Roosters, which unfortunately went, took the wrong bounce for us. But they just stuck to the game plan, grounded out, didn't go for the flashy four-pointers in the red zone, and even if they didn't come off the points in the second half to affect the scoreboard, it made all the difference when it came to the 80th minute. Okay, let's get to a, what was a, a fairly big talking point before the, before the match, in the couple of days before the match, and then actually today itself, the changes. So we had Nathan Brown, who was dropped from the team, and we can't really talk too much about what impact that made in, in terms of the replacement player, because... Kai Rodwell only got on for the last couple of minutes of, of the match. But we had Nathan Brown dropped. We also had the, the uh, change with Murata Nukore starting off the bench. What was your take on the, on the changes, mate? The Nathan Brown change, I think, was mostly reflective of probably his own struggle for his best form, as well as the fact that with Ryan Madison just ascending and ascending, he's commanding more playing minutes. And we saw it in this game where he played the majority of minutes from that lock forward role. So... That one made sense just straight away. That back row reshuffle, I think, is something that's been spoken about, and it, it worked really well. You know, you get Murata Niakori back onto the bench to give you some impact from there. Isaiah Papali is easily at home in that right edge of Mitchell Moses, and Ryan Madison's been one of the form forwards of the competition at a lock forward role. I want to touch on the Nathan Brown scenario. Who here gets sick of fake news around Parramatta? Like, when stories are reported, it's not... It's not what's actually happened. I don't know about you, but I, I, I get sick of hearing 
different versions or different stories that aren't the truth. What, it is the media, yeah, absolutely. And uh, there was a few stories going around towards the back end of the week. I think Ray Hadley got involved with his comments on that. Um, I'm not a great fan of that man, I'm, I'll be honest. Um, but there was... What I can assure people is the quotes that were there from Brad Arthur about what happened around Nathan Brown and what was happening around his contract were 100% true. Absolutely 100% true. Where there was, there was nothing to do with him being dropped from the team that related to the contract situation. Nathan Brown and his management went to BA a couple of weeks ago and approached them about where he stood for 2024 onwards because he has a contract from 2023. And the thing is, BA doesn't bullshit around when he's speaking to people. And he's just said there isn't the money available at this stage for 2024. And we don't really want to insult you with making an offer that's below what you deserve. And he was then asked if we want to go to the marketplace to see is there anything available from 2024 onwards, is that okay? Now, they have to ask for that permission because of the fact that Nathan Brown is under contract for 2023. We're not at November 1. So that's a process that they have to go through. At that point, the Eels said, we give you permission to, to check out the marketplace. And then further to that, if an offer comes along that is worth Nathan Brown pursuing at another club in 2023, then they'd look at doing that. But right now, as it stands, he's contracted for 2023. At this stage, he's not going to go. He's not going anywhere else, and I don't think he's going to go anywhere else unless it's a strong club with a strong offer. In fact, I know they're looking for a strong club with a strong offer. We're so used to contract drama played out across all of the NRL, where you know clubs want to get rid of a player, players want out. In given context, it is kind of refreshing to see both parties acting like adults. You know, and, and looking at it in a you know sort of obvious common sense point of view. Yeah, and and I think in what was not the best New South Wales Cup game tonight, I thought I thought that Nathan Brown had a real crack. Yeah, uh, laid on a try assist for Mitch Rain. He scored one himself in the second half. Uh, they were, you know, the wheels came off for the team in the back half of that game. North Sydney Bears very good and, and probably the better team by what the score reflected there, thirteen points. But yeah, Brownie certainly uh, had a real crack. Yeah, so anyway, just to that, now that we've had this little bit of a sidetrack, the Ryan Madison situation. Yeah, well, good news coming out of the media today. Uh, Ryan Madison obviously been weighing up and off between the Parramatta Reels and the, uh, well, they're not the Redcliffe Dolphins, they're just the Dolphins. The Dolphins, yeah, the they Dolphins. don't belong to an area. Uh, the Dolphins obviously thrown in the sweetener of the potential captaincy of their club in their inaugural year, but the reports are saying that Madison has knocked them back and will be re-signing for the Eels either today or tomorrow. That's a really strong offer that the Eels have made, Ryan Madison. And if that's the, if the details of, of what was leaked earlier in terms of the, the length of the contract, the size of the contract, 
it was going to be pretty hard for another club to come up with something that was bigger than that. Oh, well, you're talking crazy money from the Dolphins if that was the case because Madison, reflective of his form this year, he's been one of the best players in the competition, got a, a contract offer from the Eels, uh, you know, reflective of it. A four-year deal is something that is reasonably rare these days in Parramatta Eels territory in paradise. So that four years, there's always an element of risk in a longer-term deal. Mm-hmm. So they obviously feel that any of the issues around concussion have, have, have gone by the wayside. Um, he's in the best form of his career, you'd, you'd argue. Oh, it's carried him through to State of Origin, making that representative breakthrough. He's been dominant for the Eels, both as a starter and as an interchange forward. So now, alongside Junior Paulo, RCG, Clint Gutherson, Mitch Moses, Dylan Brown, you can throw in Ryan Madison as the key players within the club because they're looking at spending... I, I tried to work this out. By the time they've up the contracts for the likes of Dylan Brown and Mitch Moses, you're going to be looking in the vicinity of between five and a half, six million for just that group of players. And then the, the rest of the contract money basically has to be spread out amongst the others. And I'll give you a tip. Will Penasini's not going to be on about 150000 for no, that's much another, longer. Exactly. Another priority extension for the Eels. Contract for 2023 means he's eligible to be negotiated with from other clubs come that November 1 date that you mentioned earlier. But you've spoken about it before. This is a model we've seen have great success in the NRL in the Melbourne Storm. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're looking at the contracts two years down the track, we are literally going to be seeing that, that Melbourne Storm type of mm-hmm. um, core group with looking for value recruits outside of it. Now, there's now been reports of the Eels looking for one of those value recruits with a potential recruit from Newcastle. Yeah, there was a report from the Daily Telegraph in their, uh, their uh, was it Market Watch sort of piece where the Eels have been linked to, if not have already signed, a young Ford from Newcastle, Jura Momosia, I believe it is. If yep, pardon, yep. pardon me if I got that incorrect, but uh, promising 23-year-old forward come through the Melbourne Storm system and went to the Newcastle Knights and they're pretty upset to lose him. Yeah, interesting build too, six foot four, about 109, 110kgs. So he's probably got a different body shape to some of the Eels, current yeah, Eels forwards. Yeah, he trends closer to Big Reg than Junes as a prop. Junes obviously is built like a, a house. At his 188 centimetres, but Reg is a bit taller. So you like to have those different body shapes and sizes in the Ford pack uh, to allow you to you know, employ, employ different strategies, different attacking structures. Yeah, and I know there's, like, we've been concerned ourselves, there's a lot of fans have been concerned about the number of players that are leaving at the end of this year, but what we're starting to see now is what the Eels' plans are going forward. Yeah, exactly. Forward. You have your core, your pillar players, the, the cornerstones of your first-grade team. You've got promising young players coming up, your Will Penasini's, and you've got other guys around that, obviously, we've... Got a number of young outside backs and a couple of our forwards in the reserve grade team that are going to be part of those plans for next year and beyond. But the other bread and butter part of the Parramatta Eels recruitment has been these guys that are young, uh, perhaps not fully realising they're talented other clubs. You know, that, that's how we got them right in the Akores and these Iapapaliis to become the best players or the best versions of themselves by scouting them at a club that probably hasn't tapped into the player they can be and helping them become that at the Parramatta Eels. 
And I wonder whether these sorts of decisions that we've seen around recruitment and, what, and what's happened with the extensions and the signatures has impacted someone like Sean Lane. Because what we're seeing from him this season is probably splashes of his best football, indications that he's becoming a bit more consistent with that as well. But, I mean, his moments that he's having in games are actually game-winning moments. The, the, the break that he made against the Raiders, game-winning moment there. Yep. The uh, offload to Reed Marnie against the Panthers where Reed was given the penalty try. Mm-hmm. Game-changing moment there. What we saw tonight, those two cracking offloads that he made down the, the left-hand side. Game-defining moments. And Sean Lane fits that profile of player we were just speaking about in that he came to the Eels as a journeyman player across the NRL, obviously started the Bulldogs, time at the Warriors and Manly as well. He's played his best football at Parramatta. And like you said, this year, we know his ceiling's up here. It's been about getting that floor up there and we're seeing far more consistent football with those splashes of brilliance. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Now, um, how did the offloads look tonight, mate? Well, I know that the Roosters had the ascendancy on the tackle breaks, which makes sense because they're throwing the ball around a lot in that second half. Uh, line breaks 6-5 to five in the Parramatta Eels' favour. In terms of the offloads, Parramatta plus 7, so 20-13. to 13. Okay, well, I think that, that sort of fits the eye test of what mm. we saw tonight. I think in the first half, that was what, how we took them apart, yeah. the, was those, those mm. offloads on the back of winning the middle. They, they were the kind of offloads that... Uh, it is why you want fan, like fans always promote second-phase football because when it comes off and it's executed that well, it is so devastating and so hard to defend against. And when the Eels are not only offloading, but they're attacking the line at speed to set up those offloads and pushing up in numbers, they become deadly. I sort of de- I described it in my notes as offloads with purpose. Yes, exactly. So it wasn't like being desperate to get rid of the ball just to... Um, hope that someone's in, able to take that ball further but it's that combination of, of getting the ball to someone in a better position than you who has a better chance of, uh, of taking that play further. And it's why the Parramatta of course so many problems for the best teams in the competition in the Penrith Panthers and the Melbourne Storm obviously today the Sydney Roosters as well their ability to play in and out of structure when they're red hot is absolutely lethal because they can hit you with those blocks, those inside balls, all the conventional attacking stuff that is successful in the NRL, but when they switch gears and bring in the second phase football, they're arguably the best team in the competition at executing it. Now, we've actually got a, pe- a long period of time now away from Com- a Combank Stadium. Yeah, not, not back for another month. It's crazy, isn't it? One month away from Combank Stadium. Uh, like, I, I keep thinking to myself that this run of away games has come to an end, but or, or the clumps of them, but now with the representative weekend and a couple of away games, where what is it, a month till we're back here? Yeah, I think uh, June 15, July 15, and it's June 18 right now, so just under a month, which is a long, long time in terms of rugby league. Yeah, so just looking ahead at the draw, mate, um, you've, uh, you've got it there in front of you. Yeah, so obviously 26 16 over the Roosters this week at home. Next week, we go back to a core stadium. We're taking on the South City Rabbitohs, who are in seventh place right now. Parramatta Eels sitting in sixth right now for actual equal share of fourth. Points differential, the only thing holding us back 
from the Cronulla Sharks. Then we go out to Leichhardt. I know that's a favourite one of yours. Uh, take on the West Tigers. I'm sorry for anyone that thinks that that Leichhardt's the eighth wonder of the world or wor- words to that effect. I'm not a fan of Leichhardt Oval. Um, I, I think it's I think it's stuck in the 1960s. That's been kind. And while there's a place for nostalgia in our game, I, I like to be able to have a seat when I go to the football. Also, like to be able to get out away from the area within two hours. And that, that doesn't happen no, at Leichhardt Oval. it does not. So, um, so yeah. we, we make a trip to the uh, quote-unquote eighth wonder of the world. Then we're back here. It's a big homestand. Three straight weeks. New Zealand Warriors. The uh, surprising Brisbane Broncos, one of the form teams this year, one of the real upstart uh, competitors in the premiership race. Then we're hosting top team in the competition, Penrith Panthers, looking to sweep them after taking them at Blue Bet Stadium earlier this year. Got a chance to take the 2-0 record against them in the regular now, season. Now, we, we should be talking about one week at a time as, as uh, rugby league aficionados, but I'm marking down round 20 as that oh, it, that big clash. It, it is absolutely a big one. Obviously, you're about a month out from the finals. At, at that point, you're gearing up, you're fine-tuning, all those things that go into the postseason run, and the Eels will get another great hit out against the Melbourne Storm to, Brit- to end the regulation season. That one also at home, obviously way, way away in round 25. But between them and the Panthers bookending that six-game stretch, that's going to give you a good idea of where the Eels are at for the postseason. And we have the dogs yeah, one more well, time. Well, you know, it's always been a big rivalry game, but it hasn't really been a revenge affair in the last few years up until right now. So certainly it's going to be, you'd have to think, bulletin board material for the Paramaritals as they approach that game. But, uh, yeah, you certainly don't want to get swept by Canterbury this year. Now, um, just for people who, aren't, who, who didn't catch the news, we didn't have a great result today in the flick. No, so Josie Flegg, they were going up against the ladder-leading Sydney Roosters. These two teams met earlier in the year, and it was actually a close-run thing. He was going down by about seven points. This time around, though, the Roosters comfortably accounted for the blown gold to the tune of 40-6. to six. Okay, we'll leave that one. Yeah, there. the only, right, the only bright point, Matthew Komalafi... He's been on a try-scoring uh, try scoring tear this year, both in reserve grade and flag. He got the lone try for the Parramatta Eels to avoid the shutout. And we saw the result earlier today with the uh, North Sydney Bears too strong in the New South Wales Cup. I'd like to see Matt Komalafi brought up yeah. from the yeah. flag into the, onto the wing in the New South Wales Cup. When injury opened the door for him to play reserve grade this year, I think that's when his game went to another level. He found the extra gear that we knew he had but hadn't necessarily displayed in 2022. Since then, he's been playing his best football. I think that he deserves another shot up in reserve grade for sure. And, and of course, the only difficulty there is you've got players who are full-time contracted that are in that New South Wales yeah, Cup exactly. team. Matt Komalafi's not full-time contracted, so you know it becomes a little bit more awkward there because you're potentially leaving someone out of the team in the back line that trains all week and they're not going to get a run. And that's why we chat about football and we don't get paid to coach football. That's, <laughs> that's, mate. that's it. That's it. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we thank you for coming here after the game. It's, it's a, a late finish up here at Jack's Bar and Girl when we have, when we have a, a late night game at uh, Combank Stadium. But we'll be back here in about a month. Yeah, just under a month and then it'll be that homestand, the triple header. We'll we game the game the game at Combank. So... Yeah, and we'll find out, hopefully within uh, a period of time, who our special guest will be at that one. Unfortunately, we had some uh, last-minute cancellations yeah. this week with our Eels legend, but we will be back with an Eels legend 
next time here in one month's time for uh, that uh, for that big clash. In the meantime, State of Origin 2 is coming up. Hopefully we'll see Junior, Reg and Matto back in the Blues lineup for a chance to take down the Queenslanders. But yeah, stay safe until we get back to Combank Stadium. Go you wheels.